Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for listening on. Today, I have a wonderful, wonderful guest for you guys today. Her name is Margot Alvarez. Say hi to everyone, Margot. Hi, everyone. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Of course. Um, yeah. Thank uh, you for having call- me. Yeah, you're calling from Las Vegas, right? Correct. Yes, Las Vegas. Okay, great. Well, for those of you guys who do not know who Margot is, um, Margot is, she has so many accolades. Um, She is a seven-time CrossFit Games athlete. Um, She is a world long drive golf competitor. (laughs) Um, She is also uh, sharing her passion of winemaking and i'll let her tell um her story for the goat wine or the greatest of all time (laughs) and uh, she has a very unique story and i'm very excited for her to share it so um, my first question to you is i love hearing about my guests and um, telling their story how they got from a to b obviously you're living a life full of passion and obviously, it's not limited to just CrossFit and wine and golf, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of story behind it, right? There's a lot of gusto yeah. behind it. So I would love for you to kind of walk us through, you know, how did you get inspired to walk the path that you're walking on right now? That's a great question. It's, I feel like um, there was many pivotal points, I think, in my career or my life that kind of set me on the path that I'm on now. Um, one of the ones that was, I think, most life-changing, um, was in 2008 when my middle sister passed away. She was involved in a car accident and Mm. died on impact. And it was something that obviously you can't plan for. And I think going through that experience of losing a sister, losing a loved one, um, and she, it was just, it was obviously very life-changing and it's something you can't obviously anticipate in life, but the way that she lived life, that was how I wanted to body it going forward and body my life going forward. And so she was someone that was very, I just, I think of her as living life to its fullest, having zest with everything that she did. She made the most of every moment that she had. And I think when she passed, obviously she was no longer with us, but I wanted to be able to kind of embody the way that she lived life and carry that with me, not only to honor her and her life that she had, the short life that she had, but also share that with people and hopefully share my experience of being able to kind of overcome that and continue forward in life and follow my dreams and follow my passions and and hopefully in doing so inspire others out there to go for their goals or go for their passions, no matter what it is or what hardships you went through. Um, And that I think essentially set me on course to where I'm at now and try to live life with minimal regrets, regrets and take the most of every opportunity that I had, whether that be in fitness, CrossFit, wine, mm-hmm. life, whatever. And so I think that was one of the most pivotal moments in that, um, that's been almost 12 years now. And mm-hmm. so I think that's been kind of a life changing aspect, but that's one that set me on the course that I'm, I'm on today. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, losing a family member is tough. I can't um, even begin to imagine what that feels like. Um, I'm curious, can you share a couple of, I guess, uh, qualities that your sister embodied that uh, kind of inspired you? And like, what was what was inspiring from your sister? If you can share a couple of life, uh, life uh, sentiments. <laughs> I think it was something inspiring because she was very uh, stubborn, but she was very full of life, very passionate about what she loved. And she was huge into the arts, um, whether, whether it was painting, um, creating art in any aspect. Um, she loved wine, which was, I, I feel like it's kind of ironic because everything that I'm doing now within the wine world is something that I feel like she would have loved to be a part of and loved to be involved with just because she had a passion of it. She loved, um, animals and creature and she was so caring and loving and just very, um, connected, which is, I think it's, it's interesting when I think of that because she was connected not only on a spiritual level to other individuals, humans or animals, but she had such compassion for it that watching her interact, she just had this kind of bubbly attitude, but also very genuine attitude. And I think that's something that I look at as like, man, that's, those are characteristics or those are values that I want to embody and that I think that are important. Like I value, um, the relationships that I have with people, I value the connection that I have with people. And I think that's something that watching her interact with friends and even like, you know, seeing her pass and seeing everyone come together for her celebration of life to see how connected people were, how much they had an interact- interaction with her, whether mm-hmm. it was years or one moment that they had some sort of impact on her. And I think that's something that I resonated with. It's like, I want to be able to have meaningful relationships with individuals whether that's once in my life when I never see them again, or if it's people that I, I see on a recurring basis and be able to genuinely connect with them and share an experience and have that experience, you know, continue with us as the years and years go on. And mm. so I think those are some of the characteristics that, I mean, I think of her and I think of the memories that I had with her. Those are the few ones, obviously there could be more, but those are the top, mm-hmm. I think most important ones that I think of um, when it comes to her and how she embodied life. Mm-hmm. And you're, uh, uh, including her, you're one of how many people, uh, how many siblings? So it's a uh, three total. There was three of us. It was myself. I was the oldest. And then Cheerson, my sister that passed, she was two years younger than me. And then my youngest sister, Remy, she's four years younger than me. So we were essentially two years apart, mm-hmm. um, two years and like a couple weeks apart. So it was, yeah, I think we, us, all of us being, you know, relatively close in age, we had a relatively good relationship with one another. Obviously we fought and all that fun (laughs) stuff or realistic stuff in life in junior high and high school. But as we got older and as we finished, um, as both myself and Cheerson finished college and as we, you know, grew up a little bit, became young adults, you just, I think, and even, I mean, people now, I think whether they're listening or relating in life, you connect a little bit more with your siblings and your family member as you grow up, as you get a little yeah. older, because you go through different experiences and you see individuals, whether they're pa- not so much as parents, but maybe, you know, another, yes, they're still your parents, but you see them as a human and an individual. And same thing with your sisters. You, you see that ability to have someone that you can talk to and, you know, vent to or talk right. with and just connect with. And I think um, all being relatively close in age, we were able to pull from one another in, in a good aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I have a younger sister myself. Um, I have like six and a half years apart from me and my sister. And, you know, I, um, I think we got the closest after I went to, um, 
after I went away, you know, from medical school and, mm -hmm. um, you know, I totally can relate where, you know, you grow up and, you know, you fight in between, but as you get older and you individually go on your individual, um, experiences and as you go through life, you tend to realize that, you know, the petty things you can put aside and you grow closer Definitely. because you start to realize how much you need each other, you know, um, in yeah. addition to our parents. So you see uh, the kind of like the, the, the things that you think are important as you're younger, those kind of melt away and they kind of go off in the distance. They almost become fuzzy. Like if you think of a photo, like the portrait mode, like you think of those yeah. things may become distant or not as important. And the things that really are important are more in focus. And I think as you get older, you obviously appreciate and realize that. And it's obviously there's times where I wish I could go back and change things and, mm -hmm. you know, change the outcome of things. And it's as much as going to that experience was difficult and hard. And I wish I could change the outcome. Obviously I think, I believe that in life things happen or don't happen for a reason as good or bad or however you look at it in life. And I think those, we we're on, we're on where we're at on the path that we're at for a reason. And again, people may or may not agree. Um, but my, mm -hmm. again, as much as I would like to love to change the outcome and have her never be in an accident and have her never pass away, I'd love her, have her to physically be here. The path I'm on obviously was changed or, you know, you think of the butterfly effect, something happened and the, the current destination I'm going towards has changed a little bit than say before the accident. Yeah. But yeah. I try to, I, I try to look at all the positives or as many positives as I can in life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I think so. I mean, you know, you and I have met, you know, briefly, but I could tell that there is a certain strong foundation that you come, you know, not just physically, but, you know, more, you know, more of a emotional, um, strong foundation, you know, mm -hmm. you can tell when, you know, a certain energy comes off of someone. So, um, but I definitely Thank give you. you, I definitely give you props, you know, because it's not easy dealing with something like that. And I'm sure you, you know, had to go through a period of time of, um, I guess, self-resolve to be able to pick yourself up and continue. Definitely. So, Definitely. Um, I would love to talk about your CrossFit journey. Did you, um, <laughs> did that start before your sister or did that start after your sister? No, it started after. So I found I had always been involved in fitness and activity. Um, growing up, I played a multitude of sports. Um, I did horseback riding, golf, volleyball, taekwondo, always really active. And so when I graduated school, I graduated Hawaii Pacific University in 2008, and then I moved to the Bay Area where I had some family and friends and was gotten into fitness, became a personal trainer, and then I found CrossFit through some friends. They mentioned it to me, and I started that in like 2011, early 2011, and it was something that I never really lifted a barbell or never really did any like lifting besides maybe some dumbbells or maybe a lot of bodyweight stuff. I loved running and mm -hmm. was huge into running before CrossFit, and when I found it, I loved the one, I love the community. I loved everyone coming around and rallying and supporting you no matter how you did the workout or what you did in the workout. So I love that aspect, but I also love how it was essentially you against yourself. Like you're pushing yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, and you're challenging yourself to see, you know, how you can be the best version of yourself. Doesn't matter again, the workout of what you're doing, but those two components was what really drew me in. And I, <laughs> I laughed because I became that Kool-Aid drinking CrossFit girl <laughs> where like you see people and like, you know, you see those memes where like, Oh, they just talk about CrossFit all the time to everyone oh, yeah. and everyone, you know, and they make sure that you know that you CrossFit cause you tell everyone about it. I definitely was that person, but I think mm -hmm. I just, I resonated with it. And I think it was at a point in my time where obviously still like moving through the passing of my sisters, moving to a different state, um, transitioning from, you know, college into 
a young adult getting a full-time job and just being in a different position where I'm like, you know, what do I, what am I going to find that resonates or connects with me? And so I found that and it just something that clicked and I just threw everything into it. And so mm. I, I quit my full-time, I mean, this was over probably a six month period since I found CrossFit, but I had quit my full-time um, marketing job. I became a CrossFit coach. I focused on competing, wanting to compete and training to get better. I had personal training clients, um, and I transitioned from my full-time marketing job, getting rid of my benefits, getting rid of guaranteed pay, wow. um, and just switching to you know coaching um, and personal training one-on-one clients. And it's it's fun. It's interesting because a lot of people say like, "Oh man, like that's incredible. Like that's you know that that takes balls." And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. it does. And it, but in my mind at that point, I was like, "This is what I love. This is what I'm passionate about. I love fitness and I love health and I love being able to help other people in that realm." So this it makes sense to me. It connects me. And yeah, I'll be taking less pay. Yeah, I'll be taking no benefits. But at that point in my life, I was like, this is what I want to do. And so I made that jump. And I think, you know, if you look back, you're like, oh, people might say it's not a, it wasn't a calculated risk. But it's like sometimes when you're going after something that has passion or zest or something that you, you know you want, like you can't necessarily make a calculated risk. And so I had family members asking, you know, like, what are you going to do for like health benefits or what are you going to do for mm-hmm. pay? And I was like, I'll make it work. And I didn't make it work. And I ended up coaching two different jobs. And I, I made everything happen in that position. I think, again, it's not, I can't speak for everyone, but for myself, that was the right decision at that right point. And it obviously set me on a trajectory to where I am at now. Yeah. So that yeah. was kind of like the beginning, the beginning days of early Margot. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's a very, I mean, obviously when, when people, and I'm similar too, you know, not in terms of CrossFit, but you, you, when you have people that are more risk adverse, right? Mm-hmm. They'll have, you know, they're basically naysayers. They'll have the doubts. They'll try to doubt you. They'll, you know, try to get you into the circle of, you know, I didn't want to do it. So I don't want to see you do it or yeah. you know, make, you know, all these different things. And I think what it is, is that it's, um, you know that there's something inside of you that needs to do it. And sometimes it's, yeah. you can't really explain it. Sometimes it's a gut feeling. Sometimes it's intuition. And you know that it just draws you. It just pulls you forward. And you know that you're going to be okay. You know what 100%. I'm saying? Totally. Yeah. And there were people, I mean, when I said I first wanted to compete, people were like, some of the people that I knew at the gym that I was at or people around me, they're like, okay, yeah, sure. Cool. Like, kind of like, yeah, okay, like good luck, but kind of underneath their breath, like there's no way in hell she's going to make it. Or there's no way possible <laughs> that she's going to get there. And it's like, I think whether in the CrossFit realm, business, family, whatever, there's always going to be people that are going to pull away and it could be a projection of them not being confident in their life, yeah. them not being happy. And I, I've noticed as I've gone along in life and the more experience I've experienced that I've been through or come across, there, there's a lot of projection and a lot of hate because yeah. mainly they're insecure individuals are insecure and not happy with themselves. And so they project that onto you, whoever's around them to bring them down to their level. And it's like, you know what? People don't need that. People shouldn't have to be put in that environment, but that's, I mean, again, you think of the people, like the people that think positive versus people think negative. There's a lot more people that think negative than there are positive. Right. So I obviously, I went through a lot of is challenging or negative environments. And I mm-hmm. learned along the way, like, again, whether that's business training, however you look at it, that you need to put yourself in a positive environment for you to succeed towards your goals. You need the, the best possible scenario for you is to be around people that are believe in you that support you. And obviously there's, you know, you look at it, it's like, you know, what's realistic or what's something that I can do. Obviously 
depending on what your goal is, like you have to ask yourself, you know, what is realistic? What does I can do? If it's a little bit on the outside, we're like, I'm not hundred percent sure. It's not a guarantee that I'm going to get there. But if you know, like, all right, I'm going to give everything I got, then, you know, go for it. And I, mm-hmm. I did not know, a, a, not even 1% that I knew I was a guarantee. I was going to get to the games, but I was like, I'm going to put everything I got into this little box right here and mm-hmm. train my butt off and do everything I need to, to get there and, you know, focus on my goal. And if I get there, Awesome great. If I don't, then at least I gave everything I got and Mm -hmm. I didn't look back later and say, you know what? I wish I would have, or I wish I would have done that. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of the environment, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, it, you, you start to realize, you know, once you're passionate about something and you want to share it because you just have so much energy from it, right? Like, like it fuels you. Right. And then you share it and then people are like, well, you know, do you, are you sure you want to do this? Or, you know, you know, I'm sure you get that. And you're like, I'm not, you know, and then, and then I'm sure you probably went through periods of, you know, I don't know if you went through periods of, you know, self-doubt or not, but it's exactly what you say. You have to change your environment. In my world, it's, you know, if someone wants to quit smoking or if someone wants to lose weight, you know, and I tell them, well, what's your family support? What's your mm-hmm. friend support? If you go back to those circles where, you know, everyone smokes or everyone is cycling through the same, you know, uh, you know, habits and behavior patterns. It, you're not going to be able to win, <laughs> you know. What I'm exactly, hundred percent. So, um, People um, don't realize how impactful that can, or like that support or lack of support, can be. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Right, right. Um, did you want to uh, get to the games from the get-go? Or was this something like along the way you're you're just like, you know what? I love this so much. I just want to go to the top. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, like I said, I found CrossFit early 2011. I think it was like end of January, beginning of May. Or end of January, beginning of February. And I I loved it. I just loved the thrill. I loved the, the challenge. And so I signed up, signed up literally after my first Elements class. Um, and like finished elements class, did the on-ramp and then started going to classes. And then, um, after my first month, I took the mobility certificate course that Kelly Surrett was teaching. This was back in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I took the level one certificate course and became a coach. And that it was literally that next weekend when I volunteered, when regionals was still around, it was the SoCal regionals in, I think Long Beach. And it was in 2011. And, I saw some of the athletes competing and I remember specifically seeing Becca Voigt and Katie Hogan and Chris Clever and they're all lined up for the thruster ladder. I volunteered and I got to see the whole experience, people checking in, athletes checking in. Um, but then seeing those athletes and those girls go out there and do that, I was like, man, that's amazing. Like, that's so rad. Like, look at them. Like, look what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, they're so strong. They're incredible. I was like, I want to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. I was like, I had this just overwhelming urge within my body that I was like, you know what? This looks so exciting and like <laughs> let me try and it sounds like crazy because like i mean back then I, I had been doing crossfit what three months four months maybe yeah, yeah and so i just i knew that was like all right this is what i want to do and then a month and a half later i volunteered for the crossfit games at the in carson and mm-hmm. seeing those athletes there i was like i want to do that like mm-hmm. i want to be able to compete and i want to be able to push myself and challenge myself to see if i can get there and so after the games that year i that's when i um I, my, the job that I had, I, you know, I put my, my time in and say, Hey, you know, I, 
I'm going to, I'm not going to work here anymore. I, I slowly transitioning into coaching. Um, I was doing a little bit of like contract work on the side, mm-hmm. but I had essentially closed that door with a marketing job in July and then, you know, did the contracting after that and then started coaching. And so just my mindset was, you know, focus on training, focus on what I need to do. And so I signed up for like three competitions back to back, which I don't recommend <laughs> for those that are new to CrossFit or new to training. <laughs> Don't sign up to three competitions back to back. Sign up for one. Um, but it was <laughs> see how you do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See how it goes. But again, like I think you think back. I'm not sure how long you've been doing CrossFit, but from 2011 to now, it's obviously a different sport. Things have evolved and changed. It's been yeah. almost nine years now. And back then, you know, it was very grassroots, underground, and people that probably have been doing it since like 2006 to 2007 they probably saw a different aspect from 2006 to seven to 2011, obviously. Um, But it was definitely, it was just something where I just, I threw all my energy into and just try to get better and compete. And along the way um, I met my now fiance, Alex, and he ended up coaching me and helping me. This was like end of 2011 to beginning of 2012 and, you know, helped me, you know, totally believe me. He was like, at first he was kind of, like, when we first met, he was like, Oh, like you want to go to the games? Like, cool. I go every year too and watch them. <laughs> but again, I had such a, almost like blinders on where you, yeah. you don't really see what you're saying, but you, you're kind of blinded by the passion, which I think in some ways I was naive to that. And I think that's what helped me, you know, yeah. reach my goals. Cause I was like, Oh, I, what do you mean? I can't do it. Okay. Whatever. You tell me I can't do it pass by see you later yeah. i'm not going to focus on you i have other things to work on yeah and i yeah. think um that was kind of i know that was a long answer to a, a short question but no, uh, that was kind no. of where i started and how i saw it and i was like all right you know like this is what i gotta do and let's get there no my um i i think the expression is ignorance is bliss right yes you know yeah, to totally be able to expression. yeah and i think it's um i think that's great you know like you said before that um you know uh, things just happen the way they happen and you're just glad you know so um Definitely. and um what was the main differences between those time periods was it like the roles of the games uh when you were mentioning about uh i think like oh um i think 2011 and a couple years before that was the yeah, roles of the so, games that changed or yeah so in 2011 was actually when they first introduced the open um before it was they had like sex sectionals Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a different format where you, in the beginning, you could just sign up like in 2007, 2008, you know, you could just sign up and go and in 2009, they changed the format. And then in 2011, they changed the format again by introducing the open. Um, and that's what you had. You had the open regionals and the games from 2011 until 2018. And obviously in 2018, after 2018 games, they got rid of the, the um, regionals and then they started introducing the sanctionals. So how long have you been doing CrossFit for? I started last year, actually. Okay, so this year. would be, let's see, May till now, um, like seven months, something okay, like that. So relatively new. Yeah. So yeah. in the previous years, it was the Open. And so from the Open, they would take the first couple of years, I think in 2011, they took 60, top 60 from the Open, would mm-hmm. go to regionals. And then from regionals, they would take the top three to the games out of every region. And so years ago in 2011, and even 12 they had different regions. So they had like NorCal, SoCal, then they had East, Northeast, Northwest, Canada, Asia, Africa, um, Southeast, North Central, Central. So they had all these different regionals. And then in 2000, that continued in 2011, 12, 13, 14. And then 2015, they started combining regionals because the level of competition was rising. There was a lot harder 
I mean, a lot more athletes out there. And so they changed it up a little bit. Mm. And in 2011, they took top 60. 2012, they took, took top 45. And then in 2015, when they essentially combined regions. So, for example, in like the southwest Texas area, mm-hmm. they had a south central. Um, and then they had like, I'm trying to think of other regions. I'm totally blanking on them right now. But like they had a, like I had a southwest They had still had like SoCal, NorCal, and they essentially combined SoCal, NorCal to like California. Mm -hmm. And then this in 2018, I believe they essentially combined the California region with the Northwest. And the Northwest was like Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, and like the West part of Canada. So essentially they became these bigger and bigger regions. So it obviously elevated the level of competition, more athletes competing for those spots. Um, And most recently in 2000. 18 was when they had it's, it's funny because in 2015 they called it like the super region because they combined regionals mm-hmm. and in 2018 they did that until 2018 and then after the 2018 games they made drastic changes got rid of regionals altogether so now for the games to qualify you go through the open worldwide versus by your region um, or you go to new events which came out last year called like sanctionals so mm-hmm. sanctionals like event could be like waterpalooza or, I mean, there's multiple ones. I think there's 20, <laughs> 27. I know I'm kind of going on a tangent, but there's 27 this year. Yeah. But now you have to go to those events and you have to win to qualify your spot for the game. So it's obviously a lot different than it was, you know, 10 years ago. But it, it was a process and it, a lot of time and preparation had to go into that. I mean, you sure. didn't have to, but if you wanted to qualify and get to the games, like everything needed to be on on that yeah. weekend to yeah. make it possible. I just literally like you just painted a whole roadmap to me. So like now I know where to go now. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, it's tough because there's been so many changes. So it's like, all right, like yeah. try to condense it as short as possible with the most amount of information that's important. Yeah, of course. And obviously for those that are listening, um, you know, on the episode, we'll definitely have um, you know, someone who's interested in, in uh, going, you know, to the games or I'm sure there's gonna be a new Margot, you know, coming up. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like watch it's like watch out right so yeah no definitely um, and it's it's constantly changing there's a lot of younger athletes coming up i mean i'm i'm 34 i'll be 35 in march and mm-hmm. i still in my mind i still think i'm 26 but there's <laughs> athletes that have been doing like you know crossfit since they were like nine or ten and so you know as 10 years goes by like they're now 18 19 and nice. you know they learned at such a young age that they they are able to perform everything at such yeah. a amazing level i know so. i know i'm a march baby too so are you awesome nice. what day uh seventh Nice. I'm the 14th. Oh, excellent. Pisces all awesome. the way. Yep. Go Pisces. <laughs> so give me, give me like your, your, your toughest, um, I guess, phase through uh, CrossFit, like the biggest challenges and quote unquote hurdles. And uh, give me your, I guess, highest, you know, peaks where, you know, you're just like, wow, this, I'm at such a high right now. And I feel like if, you know, tomorrow would never come, like I'm so good at performing this level. Yeah, I think 2000, it's just, I think 2015 was a year that I think I had the lowest of lows in terms of competition at certain, like at certain points and then also the highest of highs. And 2015, it was right before regionals when, um, strict deficit handstand pushups came out. Mm-hmm. And that was, for me, it was devastating because strict handstand pushups at a deficit are like the worst of the worst for mm-hmm. me movement wise. And so that coming out. I, I literally broke down crying and I was just like, you know, I was like, I'm not going to be able to make it. And I'm not, I'm usually not that person where it's like, you know, I, I set, 
I set something up and I'm like, Oh, I shut it down before it even happens. But I like, I knew that that was going to be one of the hardest movements workouts ever. And so I thought was got to a point where I feel like all the work that you've put in up until this point is now like, it's not going to, even though it seems like enough and it seems like it's going to get you to where you need to go. I just felt like at such a loss where I was like, this is not going to be possible. Like it's, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to get past the regionals and I won't get to the games and, mm-hmm. you know, just because it's one movement exercise. And so I think that was, again, I, people that are listening might think like, Oh, that's not like not a terrible, but I'm took, I'm looking at it in terms of competition and as an athlete and like what event really essentially, you know, was a roadblock for me. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, the most, the highest of highs was in 2015 where I had my, I won the pegboard event and that was an event that I think one, not many people completed or, I mean, I didn't even consider let me phrase, I didn't complete it, but I got the farthest within that event. And the next athlete behind me was Amanda Goodman that year. And that was like the highest of high. And I ended up finishing ninth overall that year. So within the top 10 mm-hmm. at the games. And I think that was a really a high moment and that led to the next high moment later that year competing on Team USA at the Invitational, which it used to be um, essentially in like November, December, where like you had like the top two to top two women, top two men um, from each country. But you had like the US, you had Canada, you had Australia, and then you had Europe. And so um, that was an amazing year where it was myself, China, Rich. And Dan all representing the U.S. at the Invitational, we ended up winning. So mm-hmm. I think in terms of competition-wise, that was like the highest of high, where I was like, man, like I've all the effort and sacrifice and, you know, times where you're grinding in the gym and you're making sacrifices in life and, you know, you don't have any money to go do things, but you're putting mm-hmm. all the effort into your goal. You're like, that was cool to have it all come together. Mm. And and uh, for those in the audience, Rich who and Dave who? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Let's, sorry. Sorry. Dan, yeah, Dan Bailey and then Rich Froning. And so to give a little background, China Cho, she's from California. She's competed um, a good number of years as an individual and then competed as a team last year um, as well as I did this past year. And then Rich Froning is, was the first man to win four championships in a row. In CrossFit, 2011, 12, 13, and 14. And then Dan Bailey, he actually finished fourth that year in 2015, mm-hmm. and we competed together. Amazing individual, great human, um, a really good friend of mine, and obviously amazing athlete and competitor. Yeah, 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 that's great. Hey, guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Um, kind of shifting gears a little bit. Um, you know, obviously CrossFit is known to foster and um, empower and support the whole community aspect. And, um, you know, that's what it's known for. And uh, personally, you know, when I joined and before I joined, you know, I was like, oh, this is you know, too much like a cult. And I was, I was, I was, I was, I was before I drank the Kool-Aid, you know, I was That's seeing funny. patients, uh, I was seeing patients getting injuries and I'm just like, oh man, what are, what are these people doing? Right. Mm-hmm. And then it actually didn't come into, um, I had a medical conference and, uh, one of the last lecturers, he was talking about studies and researching, uh, about the power of communities. And he was citing an example using CrossFit 
And so I talked to him and um, uh, that was That's early awesome. part of 2019. And then I was like, you know what, let me go. And uh, I had already moved to LA. Um, and so, you know, I got in and I loved it. So in terms of community, um, like what is the importance of having a tribe? Like what is the importance of the concept of community? Obviously you've built a community, not just with your family and friends, but also within CrossFit itself. Like, can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. I think I believe it's important because you think of, you know, humans as we like are, as our tribe or as a community. I think it gives us an ability to place to one, be vulnerable, vulnerable, uh, two, to be ourselves and really, you know, kind of drop these barriers or drop these walls that we might have, whether it's in work or family or, you know, you're going out and about. And I think it allows you to really be honest and kind of hit that pause button in life because we're going, going, going. And I think coming to the community, whether that be in a CrossFit gym, whether that be, you know, grabbing a glass of wine with friends at the end of the day, uh, a restaurant or a bar, or, you know, hanging out with your, your best friend with your puppy or whatever it is, wherever you go for your community or your tribe, I think it allows us an ability to kind of stop and slow life down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Even though we can't literally pause life or pause time, it allows us to be more present and it allows us to, again, be open and be vulnerable. And I think a lot of people get hesitant to be vulnerable because it, you know, it's scary because like, you know, I'm opening myself to these mm -hmm. group of people. Or I'm opening myself to this person. But at the same time, I think there's something that's really valuable in that where it allows you to kind of self-reflect on yourself and mm -hmm. like, you know, what you're really doing or what you're going for. And I think a lot of people ask or talk about, you know, like, what's your why? And there, there might be that out there for a lot of people. But for myself, I think of, you know, more about the environment and the memories that you're creating with these individuals or these communities and tribe, because you, again, literally get to break down these barriers. And I feel like you can be a little more honest with yourself and the people around you. Plus, it allows you to, you know, laugh and have fun. And I think sometimes in life we get so serious and we get so caught up in achieving goals, which don't get me wrong, achieving goals are great and it has a time and purpose. But sometimes you need to be able to laugh at yourself or you need to be able to, like, take your foot off the gas pedal, gas, gas pedal and just mm -hmm. again, slow things down a little bit. And I think it's important because it gives us an ability to just be, and as, as humans beings, we're, we do a lot of stuff. So it's almost like <laughs> human doing, yes. but you know, we get actually be, yeah. and I, it's funny because every time I say that, or I think of that, I think of my life coach and we've talked a lot back and forth about life and experiences and, you know, transitioning to different points in your life. But I think that's something that resonates with me. It's like, man, I'm, I'm such a go getter type a personality, yeah. which is good. And it has its purpose, but sometimes I need to just be and not do. And so that's right. what I think, I mean, community and tribes, um, I think that's what it has a purpose for that. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, the concepts of being and doing, I had, a, I had a couple of life coaches myself and, um, that's awesome. uh, you know, the concepts were just very, very hard to grasp, you know, if you don't actually think about it and, um, mm -hmm. you know, when you go through life, you tend to, um, with, it's not really the number of experiences, but I also, I think it's the number, but it's also the quality of the experiences that you have. And I think it's important to have the positive and the negatives, um, you know, whether it's like some sort of trauma, some sort of incident, some sort of event, mm -hmm. um, for you to go through a period of self-reflection. And then from that self-reflection, you will have, you know, awareness. And, um, I think you're absolutely right. I think, um, as a society, um, we do a lot. 
Um, I know. I just think we're just very obsessed with just being busy. Um, I'm not yeah. sure we're actually productive, but we're just <laughs> exactly. obsessed with just being busy. Um, exactly. But I totally agree with you. I think um, slowing down and um, just pausing, um, like literally smelling the roses. You know, I think yeah. it's a very cliche thing to say, but I, it's totally. really true to be able to just be in the moment. And that's why, you know, there's uh, more and more, um, uh, I guess, advocating of like meditation or deep breathing mm-hmm. or yoga, or, you know, these are practices that have been going on for like thousands of years. And yeah. it really teaches you to just slow down. Um, so I know for you slowing down, um, <laughs> you have your, fr- your, your, your slogan of, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, wind down or what is your yeah, slogan? Work, uh, work hard, wind down. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, um, how did you get into winemaking? Um, you know, I know that your, your name has, you know, certain roots. Uh, how did you get yeah. into it? <laughs> so my name does definitely, I was named after Chateau Margaux, which is a region in France. Um, my parents loved wine. And so I found it kind of ironic that they named me after it. And obviously even more ironic now that I'm doing winemaking. I'm in the wine industry, wine business, but we've done uh, home production wine for a good number of years now, about five to six years. Uh, I love the process of it. I love that you need to be patient. And I think there's a lot of parallels from winemaking to life. Uh, could be training in the gym. It could be, you know, going for your career. It could be a degree that you're going for raising a family. Like it's not just going to, you're not just going to get instant gratification. You have to put a lot of time and effort and be patient. And that's just like winemaking. Mm-hmm. You know, you harvest the grapes, you crush them, you let them sit, you know, you've got to press them, then you got to do the whole bottling process and then let the bottles age. And then eventually you drink the wine. Obviously the process is different depending on the varietals and the reds and whites that you're drinking. But I think there's a huge parallel for that. And so when we first got into it, it was, you know, make home production wine, do this as a hobby, learn the process, um, hand crushing grapes as much as it's fun and exciting, takes a long time, but learned a lot along the way. And I just, I, I love the I love the physical effort and physical work that you put into it. Mm-hmm. You know, we would harvest after 10 to 12 hours of harvesting, you know, you look back at the vines that you just finished and you're like, man, like I, all those vines are gone of grapes. And I did that. Like you physically see your hard work pay off. Mm-hmm. And so that was really cool. And so after doing that for a good handful of years, we decided, you know, if we want to share our passion for winemaking and share a passion for fitness and this whole lifestyle that we embody, you know, let's, let's look into getting the legal process and the paperwork. And we did all that. So after the 2016 harvest, we harvested the grapes, took them to a crush and crush facility in California and started all the paperwork for licensing. Um, and that like you talk about, you know, starting a small business mm-hmm. and the legalities, especially with alcohol, cause it makes it a lot harder. I'm not sure about, you know, other beverages or other food products, mm-hmm. but there's so much that goes into it with alcohol and, I mean, getting wine, beer, whatever, but we started that process and it was very stressful because you need all this paperwork and you need signatures and all this stuff. And so the legal stuff is just not fun for anyone. So right. It is not, it is not. And so there's a lot of stuff that people don't see kind of behind the scenes. And, you know, obviously there's that, that image of an ice cube or an ice cube, um, uh, like an iceberg, like you see the small part of like, Oh, success. But then you see like the large portion underneath the water that most people don't see. And so we've, we, as long as we've gone along with this journey, we've tried to share as much as we can with people, just showing the realities and the experiences so people can, you know, can they, so they can share the journey with us. So we started that. Um, and then in 2017, we got the approval for our, our license. We got everything the week before the week of regionals. And so it was literally like, all right, cool. This is awesome. Now go compete. Um, <laughs> but it was great. Cause I mean, 
any later, it would have been really hard to launch. And so we launched in 2017 at the CrossFit Games in Madison, Wisconsin. And we did a wine tasting there, sold out in like an hour with tickets. And we wanted to introduce the wine to the community, obviously, within CrossFit because they've been so supportive and amazing. And obviously, you know, a lot of people in CrossFit, like they pride themselves in their health and fitness. And so like they work yeah. hard. But also, you know, like they want to enjoy the process. And that's been our whole message. You know, you work hard in the gym, career, school, whatever it might be, family. At the end of the day, you enjoy a glass or bottle, depending on the type of day it was. Um, if you don't drink wine, that's fine. Maybe you eat bonbons on the couch with your family. But no mm -hmm. matter what, at the end of the day, relax and reflect on the journey. And so being able to launch at the games was really cool. It was obviously hard to, you know, compete, run a booth, do the tasting event. But we made it happen and I made sure, you know, like no matter what we do it. And so that was essentially when we first launched. So that was been, what, two and a half years now. Mm -hmm. And since then, we, we've sold direct to consumer online. We've traveled around, done plenty of events, probably close to a hundred events of yoga and wine nights mm. or workout and wine nights. Mm -hmm. um, and then we got into distribution in 2018, end of 2018 into Vegas. And that was a big reason why we moved to Vegas was to promote the brand and the message and community and the winemaking is awesome. I love it because there's so much that goes into it. Um, I'm obviously constantly still learning, but after those first two years, we were realizing or year and a half, we were realizing, you know, to sell wine is a lot harder because it's such a saturated industry. Yeah. There's so much wine out there. There's so many wine labels and companies and brands, you know, how do you stand out from companies that have been around for decades? And so we've really tried to, you know, create relationships within the Vegas community. We got into distribution into Colorado a few months ago. And so we traveled out there. We want to create relationships with the community, not only within the fitness realm, but also the, the the wine realm and the wine world and so we want to be able to obviously just connect with as many people as possible share our message and you know hopefully you know promote a balanced lifestyle of you know sure. working out and then enjoying and reflecting at the end of the day yeah yeah at the end of the day um i think that's one of the things um you know, I interview a lot of passionate guests um, on my show and, um, you know, we all share very similar themes of creativity and self-expression. Mm -hmm. And you definitely, you know, I've, you know, we've, we've, we've interacted in person. I've tasted your wine. I love it. And, um, <laughs> you. you know, I can, you can tell, you know, it's the, it's the emotion, it's the self-expression that uh, is embodied in, you know, a product, you know, no matter what it is for you, it's wine and mm -hmm. you could see it. So I, um, you know, I, you. I think it's, I think, you know, you're going to be very, very, you're already successful and uh, I think you're going to go further. So thank you. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. So Margo, I love this and, uh, I want to close out. Um, I, um, I love hearing about my, um, guests, uh, thrive and how they personally thrive. And obviously, you know, we've hit on a lot of, um, uh, points throughout the episode. Um, so how do you personally thrive? You know, obviously you, you know, we know, you know, you're a fitness, uh, CrossFit, you're an athlete, you love waking, uh, you know, making wine, but are there other aspects that continue, um, of your life that continues to push you forward that gets you up in the morning? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think the thing that I think of is like getting to be outdoors and be in nature, like, I love the gym and I, you know, love working and sharing relationships and connecting with people, but I also love getting outside in nature. And it's almost where I kind of like reboot in a way. I think growing up in Montana, um, having mountains around me, it obviously it resonates with me. So anywhere I go, I have the chance to go outside and just kind of look at life. Cause it kind of reminds you of like where you are, not that it puts you in your place, but it mm -hmm. reminds you of like, you know, where am I in my life, my journey. And it kind of gives me a fresh perspective and, being able to stop 
and instead of focusing so much going forward, because nothing, nothing, and nothing is wrong with that, because obviously working towards goals, but being able to stop, see where you're at, and then take a look back to like reflect on how far I've come and what I've accomplished. Mm-hmm. It's almost like not a sigh of relief, but like, oh man, like you've done amazing things. Give yourself a pat on the back, appreciate yourself, you know, like celebrate this moment because so many times we just stick our head down and we grind forward and that's great and it has a purpose. Mm-hmm. But for me, to stop and like be in nature and reflect around everything that I've accomplished up until this point is a great reminder and a great refresher and allows me to almost feel like rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. I, I personally love being in nature too. And uh, before I jo- joined CrossFit, I been doing triathlon since 2006. And That's amazing. I raced, yeah. And I race all over the country and I actually um, signed up for my first half marathon in Colombia this year. Um, That's awesome. so, yeah. And I love it. I love being outdoors. Um, but I needed CrossFit to like, you know, need the strength and endurance to keep me going. So that's why I joined <laughs> totally. or else I, so I, I awesome. just, I can't, I can't do a gym, you know, I just can't do yeah. machines and all that other stuff, but no, I definitely definitely resonate with you in terms of just being outdoors. And, you know, I need that hit of vitamin D. I need that sunshine. I need that breath of fresh air. So definitely, 100% um, I agree with you there. Um, in terms of our audience members that are um, listening on that are seeking to lead a more active lifestyle, um, obviously you're you're very um, you know self motivating um, and uh, you know go getter. How would you um, if you're able to give like three tips you know for someone that's maybe not necessarily wanting to continue start CrossFit or push themselves forward in CrossFit or just wanting to you know seek a more active lifestyle and keep going with it? What are your um, I guess, d- definitions of motivation and perseverance and tips that you can give to someone? Yeah, I would think um, something that I've resonated with me is, you know, creating some sort of mantra. And my mantra is, you know, you, you be accountable, you prepare and execute, you review your work, you be patient, and you enjoy the journey. And so whether people take that with them or they find something else that resonates with them, I think something that they really got to remember is, you know, be accountable to your goal. So whatever it is that you are trying to achieve, whether it's going to the gym, be more consistent in the gym, you know, working on your MBA, you know, raising your family, find something or somewhere where you can write it down and have that be a visual reminder of you every day or almost every day. And then, you know, work towards those goals, whatever that is, find some sort of path or consistency or habit that helps you achieve that goal. Um, And knowing that it's going to take some time. Like I think now, especially with all the social media and things that we see online, it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, instant gratification, think of IG, right? Like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I see this right away. I want this, like be patient with yourself. Like, see the successes, see like maybe whether you've struggled, but like see the positive at the end of each day, each week, each month so that, you know, you're like, Hey, like maybe I take two, two steps forward today. Maybe tomorrow I'll take two steps to the side, or maybe I take a step back, but like be patient with yourself and be forgiving, but also remember to enjoy the journey and enjoy the process. Cause mm-hmm. like, obviously anything that we're working towards, it takes time and it's not just going to happen right away. And if it does happen right away, it might not be guaranteed that something's going to last. Sustainable. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So think of something that's, again, like, like I said earlier, you know, find something that's realistic, realistic in the terms of like, what can I feasibly do with the attributes or the conditions around me, but work towards that goal, be for unforgiving or be forgiving, excuse me, and, you know, be patient with yourself and surround yourself with a positive environment because that is going to carry you 
so much further than I think people give them mm-hmm. credit to. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it, it's, it's like a team effort. It's um, us supporting each other, you know, and um, we it were just is. talking about community and how much, in my opinion, that's lost in society. Right. So, and I, it uh, is. yeah, go and ahead. I think, I'll go ahead. No, I just, I just think in the U in the U S it's obviously a lot different than other areas. I lived in Salamanca, Spain for six weeks after my first year mm-hmm. of university and you know, people work there probably at most 35 and a half hours and they really appreciate the time with family. They disconnect and they're, you know, with people around their community. And I think it's really important to be in a positive environment where people support you because you know, if you're in a negative environment, it's going to drain you. And then you're not actually going to be able to get to your goals because people are going to constantly be pulling from you. And the hardest part of that is that it's people probably the closest to you, really good friends or the family that you're close with that might pull you away from that. And that's not always the case. I'm just saying sometimes it is. And so you have to really evaluate and say, you know, what is ultimately best for yourself? And you have to be selfish, but not a negative selfish, a positive mm-hmm. selfish. And the fact where it's like, you know what, I'm doing this for me. If I want to be successful and I want to help people, then I need to put myself in the best possible situation to help others. Like I want to give back to people. My biggest thing that I've wanted entirely in life, whether that was, you know, you know, being impacted by my sister passing and not essentially being able to save or help her. Like I want to be able to help the people in the community and I want to be able to help give back to others and help them reach their goals. And in order for me to do that, I need to make sure that I'm putting myself in the best possible situation so I can reach my goals so that I can give back Mm -hmm, to others. mm -hmm, Definitely. I think, um, you know, karma, you know, whatever you want to believe, you know, everything comes full circle and, um, you know, you, where you are right now, you know, you didn't get here by yourself. You know, uh, a lot of people, exactly. you know, it sounds like you had coaches, you had mentors, you had, you know, best friends, et cetera, that brought you here. And it just makes sense to support someone else along the way to lend that hand. So, um, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, for those, for of those um, that you. are interested in learning more about you um, or wanting to know more about your wine business, um, how to get the wine, like how do they, how can they reach you? So they can, um, on Instagram, I have my Instagram, which is 321GO-G-A-U-X. And then we also have Instagram, The Goat Wine. And then our website's thegoatwine.com. Um, and that's where we have all of our wine on there, uh, events and details. And if they have any questions, they can always send me a direct message or mm-hmm. hit us up. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll definitely uh, put that into the show notes. You can find that there. Um, Thank you, Margo, for uh, being on the show. Um, It's been wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. (laughs) Me too. Same here. Um, Guys, thank you so much for listening on. If you uh, like this, um, please follow us and subscribe. And, you know, we'll be here uh, weekly. Everyone for listening on. And, uh, you know, we will see you on the next episode. Hey guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.